Sonic States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 83. Um, we have uh, the usual gang back with us. Uh, unfortunately, PJ couldn't be with us, but we do have from stateside Mr. Rich Hilton from Connecticut. Good morning. How the devil are you? Uh, pretty darn well. And yourself? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. I'm kind of, I, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm basking in the sudden spring weather. It's kind of caught me a bit unawares. I walked home without a coat on yesterday, which is the first time this year. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had the same here. It's beautiful out. So you had a busy week? Uh, a little bit busy, yeah. I'm still preparing for the uh, gala this weekend. And uh, have you had any rehearsals with the with um, with uh, Mickey yet? That'll be uh, Sunday's marathon rehearsal with Mickey and the various other guests. And who are the other guests? Can you can you drop any names? Yeah, uh, Patty Labelle, Ooh. Um, uh, Slash. All right. Um, uh, Eric Benet. Why does everybody giggle hey, whenever anyone says I? Slash? I don't know. I always just think of a hat. That's all like that's that's kind of it. A hat with a cigarette. He's like Andy Cap of rock and roll, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's really a little bit like he could be from Muppet Show. Definitely. He's, yes. He's really a great guy. And yeah, I'm sure he is. Player. is he? We, we've played with him. Yeah, we've played with him a number of times. He's just fantastic. He uh, I'm sure he was on the Muppets. Hey, he may have been. been. Bound to have been, isn't he? I mean, you know, you'd be crazy not to have Slash on the Muppets if you're a producer. <laughs> well, especially when you find out what a really nice guy he is and how, exactly. how he's going. Exactly. I'm, no, sure well, that's, I'm sure he's cool, but it does look a bit silly. I know, but it's just image, isn't it? You know, it's just on. I bet he doesn't wear that hat all the time. Like when he comes. I bet he does. Do you reckon? I'm not, I'm I reckon not he so wears sure it in, about that. I reckon he wears it in the bath. Do you think so? Do you think actually he's hiding a bald spot? <laughs> He's hiding a bald oh, spot like the rest of us. It's called a trademark, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very important, you know. Yeah, we're only recognizable, you know. No, that's true. Absolutely, and it's worked very well for him. Well, anyway, I hope that the rehearsal goes well, Rich. That sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to it. Grand. Um, so I have to have to apologise for the noise in the background. Uh, they've now finished working on my building, um, but the building opposite is now being worked upon, but not by the same builders. So you might hear the occasional um, hammering... Uh, power tool they're sawing up paving stones which is obviously a no- fairly noisy activity so if that cuts in you'll just have to bear with us um anyway um you heard a few other voices there so let me get on and introduce the rest of our guests we've got non-eric from berlin hello hello everyone how are you i always forget to do this by the way rich hilton myspace.com forward slash hiltonius and hans um of course from musotalk.de home of the finest german video casts Money yes. can money can buy. <laughs> Just recently had another outbreak of the Ableton vocoder secret feature. Um, yeah, I saw it was picked sickness. up. It was picked yeah. up by uh, Peter Kern of Creative Digital Music, wasn't it? And it all started all over again. Yeah, and somebody did a video with um, what's his name again? Mono Lake, one of the founders of Ableton, stating who needs a vocoder, and they did a trashy kind of cut-up version of the video. Yeah, that was quite that funny, much. actually. I thought that was good. Well, all good stuff. I mean, more publicity for you. That video must have taken a load of hits. It did, yes. Excellent. And if you haven't seen it, the Inside Ableton is online at www.musotalk.de, but only in German, folks. Doesn't matter, though. You can still get the gist of it. So, Dave, any, um, any undercover videos coming out of your organization? Recently, this is Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Uh, no, there'll, there'll be a sequel to our office, which may be our 
other office, but that won't be for a while. Ah, okay. Well, I look forward to that. <laughs> so, what's happening in your world? Uh, it's, I suppose it's a while between shows. You know, gosh, you haven't released anything or announced anything for several weeks. Must be must be kind of boring around your place by now. No, not boring. I've just taken me uh, delivery of my UAD one for the new Mac, so that'll go in hopefully this afternoon. Um, and yeah, it's work as usual, really. It's work, 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 and work. Yeah, ain't it always? I always hmm. think. I always think when I get around to this time of year, oh, it'd be nice to kind of maybe take some time out in spring and summer and spend a bit less time sitting in front of a computer. But it always works out that there's more to do. I did go to the Houses of Parliament the other day. Did you? Yeah. I've never been. What was it like? Was it grandiose and overwhelming? Yeah, it's officially a palace. I suppose it is. Yeah. The Houses of Parliament are the home of the English government, for those who perhaps don't know. Some might not. It's always worth mentioning, isn't it? Did you see any pop? Um, did you see any um, well-known MPs? Uh, no, we went. We did the whole House of Lords thing, and then went into the House of Commons the, uh, prior to a debate going on. Weirdly enough, you can't sit down in the House of Commons unless you're elected. So you have I to was stand. very tempted. My brother um, farted in there. Not with us, I hasten to add, but that was his claim to fame. And my claim to fame was that I walked from one side of the house to the other. Well done. Oh, you're not supposed to do that, are you? That's like no, there's, that's symbolic, isn't it? Because obviously you've, the opposition are on one side and the uh, elected government on the other. So if you cross the floor, it's a sort of euphemism for... It's kind of like changing religion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a, I must do that sometimes. Didn't take any eggs with you and egg anybody then? No, no, no. It was um, my nipper won this in a competition she did a christmas card for our local mp which won as it were and this was her sort of prize was a tour and uh, we had uh, afternoon tea with our local mp which is pretty entertaining excellent did you bring anything up any burning issues yeah quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> good for you in other words oh dad shut up it's my prize <laughs> i think there was an element of stop that. going on about it well anyway nice to have you here with mr dave spears and of course we also have mr mark tinley how are you Hello. doing, Mark? Mark Tinley, of course, is uh, myspace.com forward slash Mark Timley. Tinley, yes. one word. <laughs> I always and get yours wrong. Tom- Why do I do that? I don't know. My brother Dominic used to work for the House of Lords, so I don't know what he did, but I seem to have lots of House of Lords par- paraphernalia. Like-, <laughs> oh, like a child. Like a child. What's that? A sc- a par- <laughs> House of Lords squeaky toy. There's some swag for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got House of Lords marmalade, House of Lords apron. I've got a House of Lords wallet for my passport and all sorts of things. Sounds like you didn't get paid very much and those were Christmas presents to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the gym today. The House of Lords little... gym? No, oh. the, my gym. And I'm down to 92 kilos, which is good. But I was listening to my favourite podcast, which unfortunately isn't this one. I'm oh. embarrassed to say. That's all right. Which was the WNYC's Radio Lab one, which I highly recommend. What's that about them? Um, they do a different topic every couple of weeks, and it's all it's all about sort of life issues, I suppose. And the one I was listening today was about genetic engineering and regenerative medicine. Okay. So I keep and I keep saying I'm going to live till I'm 140 years old, and from everything I heard today, it seems that I'm likely to be able to do that. No, really? <laughs> Just keep As regenerating. Well, <laughs> Yes, as well as being able to run my car on diesel excreted by biogenetically modified sea creatures, which sounds really bizarre. But they've got, no, don't laugh. They've no, actually, I've heard about that. They've genetically engineered a bug that they can put on the seabed, which will eat plant food, plant, uh, eat plants at the bottom of the sea, and then 
it excretes diesel and it all floats to the top and they scrape it off the surface of the water and they've got three different types of bugs or something. One which does car fuel, one that does diesel for uh, eng- uh, for farm vehicles and one that does diesel for lorries. They probably have though. Well, anyway, thanks for that, Mark. I'll have to check that out. Send us the link and we'll put it in the show notes. I will. Are you all right? I need to go and attend to a child. But the other thing I found out this week, actually, is my partner, Gina, said that our cats are illegal in Connecticut. No way. Why's that? Because we've got genetically modified cats. There's a link there, isn't there? Was that good? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I can see. We have Bengal cats. They're half Asian leopard cat and half domestic cat. And apparently... They're illegal in Connecticut, and if you show them in Connecticut, you're only allowed to take them in for 24 hours. Wow, well, in case they infect the local population with their I think I, Apparently, the first one that got shown in Connecticut attacked, went berserk and attacked someone or something, and then they banned them. And they're banned in one other American state. I've gone completely off topic now, haven't I? <laughs> Sounds like perfect, a great example. Slightly. Single, single issue examplism, I like that. Yeah, this happened once, so legislate against it. Yes, absolutely. I can I can tell you what, what I've been doing. I've been away. I went away to Belgium for a little jolly with the family and a couple of kids. And I uh, went to Ostend, for, actually, stayed there. And um, when I got back, I looked up a few things because, you know, one does. And Ostend doesn't seem the sort of place that would inspire great records. But did you know that Marvin Gaye lived there and wrote mm. Sexual Healing in Ostend? Mm. Which was... Yeah. And I love Belgium. Hans, how does, what does Belgium mean for you? Of course, Belgian oh, beer. Yes, it did have some mm. Belgian beer. And of course, the rather amusingly titled Plopsa Land, which is a children's theme park. And also uh, electric body music. Electric body music? No, I didn't know that. EBM? No. No? Never heard no? of it. Front 242? Oh, yes. I've heard Does it that. ring a bell? That rings no. a bell. Mm. So, yeah, so Ostend, lovely place. Bruges is very nice. Almost the entire centre of it is, is made up of 16th, 16th century buildings, which is just remarkable. Anyway, mm-hmm. I suppose it's not very interesting, but that's what I've been doing. So, I think we should perhaps move on to the most amazing musical instrument you're ever likely to hear. This is a truly breakthrough thing. Here it comes. was the beams did anyone have a look at that video it was a video that was found on gizmodo where the author i couldn't find his name um was actually very um well he was he was rather rude about it frankly and um and, but i thought it was a tremendously out, seemed outdated and kind of rather poor promotional video for what looks like potentially an interesting product or is it just total rubbish we thought about modeling this in software actually really for about two seconds and then we decided <laughs> against it but no i thought it was horrible well, really I th- it was quite horrible. There was there's some classic. There's there's a few buddy moments. There's a couple of guys high fiving when they're having a kind of jam. Yeah, there's sort of you can do rock. There's all sorts of things, but it's called Beams and it's spelt B E A M Z, and um, it's about six hundred bucks from sharper a sharper image, 
And what it essentially is is a is a USB device. It's sort of like um, it's like an upside down table. So it's got four arms or three arms. I can't quite get my head around it with with various laser beams through it. And you break the lasers. And as far as I can gather, you kind of progress various different musical lines by breaking the beam. So you can have it play fast or slow or continuous depending on what you do with your fingers. And um, I thought it was actually something from um, Jimmy Hotz because it just you know it's got a Z on the end <laughs> and it's. It's got the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's that because his um, hotbox allowed you to kind of progress musical phrases by kind of continuous, repetitious pressing, but it's not. It's actually the brainchild of somebody called Jerry Riappel, who's a, apparently a Hollywood composer and songwriter. Oh dear. Well, yeah, and the rest of the t- well, so he's kind of a similar kind of guy to Jimmy Hotz, I suppose. You know, he's obviously a keyboard player, whatever. You know, and he's he's devoted a lot of time. He- I love the fantastic, funny uh, family fun bit. The family fun oh, bit. That- oh, they st- I think the worst thing about the whole video is the stupid look on the face of the people that actually work the units. <laughs> yeah. There's one comment in the, in the comments that says, the, fat, the bald fat guy listening to his quiet reverie, which is another section, looks like he's about to burst into tears, pawing, <laughs> pawing at nothingness on his $600 scam machine in a dark room in a vain attempt to fill his empty, empty soul. <laughs> <laughs> I would tend to agree. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of a bleak, a bleak way of looking at it, but it's quite funny. I mean, they look so stupid, these guys. I mean, probably if, if it would be kind of a different setup and different people uh, operating this stuff, it might be, may, may even look cool, but it just looks so pathetic. It's unbelievable. These guys, they look so, like a bunch of morons. I don't know, sorry about that, but oh, I, oh, I, do you think I'm taking it too far? Well, it's not like you, Hans, to have an extreme viewpoint on any of this <laughs> stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read the user the bullet points. Uh, it's apparently it's an amazing laser-based invention that lets music lovers be musicians regardless of talent and tra- or training. We've heard that as a common theme though. We've heard that before, haven't we? Breaking yeah. the laser beams with your hands automatically generates pre-authorized pulses, streams, riffs or loops, musical notes or sounds from hundreds of different instruments like strings, keyboards, would be but, but 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 one minute. I mean, they 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 they're doing something with their fingers like tickling. Yeah, and it it's does like they're, and they're, they look like they're playing with the sexual organ of a woman. Because yeah, <laughs> I did I did think it looked a little bit sort of semi-erotic in places especially the guy when he's doing the kind of very fast um shredding part um somebody else comments on the on the on the comments for this is this thing makes everyone look like a cat playing with a ball of yarn or the dorkiest traffic cop there is which is a a slightly more toned down version of what you've said but uh yeah that but that's the language barrier nick I i just can't be subtle enough in english I have to say it was all very American. I mean, I don't, I've got to be careful what I say here, but it did seem a bit very American. I mean, what? I, yeah, I suppose what struck me about it is when you consider the fact that this is in the 21st century, it's got the brains of supposedly a Hollywood musical sort of being behind it. Why on earth did they make that music so appallingly dreadful and dated? I mean, why didn't they try and make it kind <laughs> of something know. a bit more contemporary? That might have appealed. I mean, that's part part of the problem. The music is totally laughable, isn't it? I mean, it. Well, the, I think the most laughable bit was when the guy was playing the guitar solo through the beam, and he was play, wiggling his fingers around. There was going, and I just thought, oh my god. Yeah. I mean, even my dad wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just seemed. I mean, it has come in for a lot of stick, and the guy over at uh, Gizmodo has been contacted by the PR agency. Um, who said, well, we'll send you one. You can try it out. Don't knock it. You know, it actually is more fun than it looks. And, and, uh, and the video does really not sell it well at all. 
well, then they need to fire their promotions agency, find another one. I well, mean, I don't good know. On, good on him for standing behind his product, I suppose. But yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, it does seem it, it was it was a, a, a cringing video moment. It's, it, it, it does look very shopping channel like, doesn't it? Yeah, that is true. It's it's probably gauged at an audience. Um, I was not as horrified by this apparently as everybody else was, but um, at, and it seems like a sort of a logical extension as a toy to the Guitar Hero rock band product line kind of stuff. And for six hundred bucks, it better sell at Sharper Image because you're not going to sell any of Toys R Us. And, no, that's uh, true. What are Sharper Image? Are they a kind of big? It's all very uh, high tech looking, pricey gadget tree. It's a very, it's kind of a fun store to walk through actually, because you see some cool stuff for typically about twice what you think you should pay for it. Is yeah, that where but, they have uh, massaging chairs and it uh, is massaging chairs. Yeah, remote controlled telescopes. Yeah, I'm cool, sure there's a website. Cool camping, sure website. cool camping stuff which you'd never ever need, and yeah. like like with Chrome on the outside and stuff. Just just yeah, exactly. it, it all looks very shiny and futuristic, and uh, it's sort of like banging Olufsen across the rest of your life, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of exactly. thing. It, but this thing didn't particularly appall me as an ad. The music wasn't all that horrible to me. I, it wasn't. I would, I would. I mean, I was thinking that. It could be used for something useful because, I mean, the Tyco hotbox, what were they going for? A couple of grand. And this thing looks like it would do something similar because it will control, it'll set, it allows you to take laser control effectively via USB. So, I mean, maybe it could be adapted and sort of bent or have drivers written to do other things, which might actually make it quite useful for something. I mean, would it be any Burglar good? Alarm. You could put it in front of the door and it walk straight the Plays different tunes depending on who comes in. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. A burglar alarm. What if I t- you could do your own sort of um, Mission Impossible skit, couldn't you? <laughs> but these these performance devices like the laser harp and this thing that involve watching somebody moving through space to create sound does have some kind of performance like like theremin really does have some kind of performance uh, visual interest. I think I just don't think they've quite got it yet. In terms of a mass marketing kind of thing, now it all still exists to me in the realm of toys because you're yeah. fixed. You're you're de- dealing in these fixed pitch relationships. It's like running your hand down the black keys of a keyboard, you know, or it, it, it either it's pentatonic or it's something else like that. And and you know, one of these you just can't miss instruments. And uh, I don't know. I'm still a guitar. I mean, six hundred bucks. I mean, Im- I imagine if you could plug that into a PS2 or a PS3 or an Xbox or something and combine it with some software you know, in the same way that you can with Guitar Hero and, and Rock Band, then you might be getting somewhere. But just seems like 600 bucks, and you need a computer, which is going to be, you know, it, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of extra money to spend on something, and God knows how much junk it's going to install on your hard drive. Hans, can you think of any way you would, you would, um, you, you would, it, would, it would have a part in your life at all? You'd like to try? No. You wouldn't want to try one? No one want to try one? I, I wouldn't mind trying no, one. No, no, no. I'd rather go for Guitar Hero. Yes, cheaper. Probably, prob- probably, yeah. And, and I think uh, uh, this is, I think, uh, something that always strikes me. I think there seems to be a f- certain fascination uh, from all these awkward solutions to play music in an alternative way. But which one of them are being used on a regular basis on stage? I think the closest we get there is the Lemur. Yeah, maybe you're right. Or the... Uh Sound, sound cubes. The cubes, yeah. But even those, um, uh, I talked to Bert recently, and uh, they haven't really sort of made it into the mainstream. 
Yeah, yeah. It's not too many people out there actually using it on stage yet. Or I think it it's always seems to be such a fascinating idea, and at the end of the day, it somehow it's not working mm. on a, on, a, on a larger scale. I was going to say I remember seeing a thing that was made with hexagons all over the the top of it. Yeah, and that was cool. If you played if you played in one diagonal direction, it played a minor scale. If you played in another direction, it played a major scale, and the whole thing had been mathematically thought out so that. You could go in any direction, and it would make musical sense. Well, it was I an alternative. Was really it's an clever. alternative keyboard. I, yeah, I shot a video of that. What was that thing called? Can I you wish remember? I could remember, but we shot a video of it. Um, I will put. It, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. C three music. C three music. The C span wasn't it? Was it C or C three music? Yeah, I guess you're right, Hans. I mean, there we do have a fascination with alternative ways of of doing this, but or at least I do, and I write the show notes. So maybe maybe I'll just stop. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to go and check out the Beams um, music controller, you just go over and check the show notes. It's uh, quite amusing, actually. Oh, you can find it on a sharper image if you want to buy one. Stevie Wonder there on the talk box, um, which, as I looked into it more and more, there was just more and more of it out there. And uh, I've never tried one. I always had a feeling that, for some reason, I just thought that you were going to get this incredibly loud kind of sonic beam into your mouth and it would loosen all your fillings. I've never played one, though. Has anyone else played one? Sure. Rich Hilton? Yeah. And how is it? Is it weird or is it kind of perfectly natural? takes a second to get used to it, but it's fun. One thing I noticed about that video, I mean, do you sing at the same time or are you supposed to just kind of make the shapes? How does it work? Or does does it voice for you? You typically wouldn't be singing you would just be forming the words in your mouth silently okay and where do you mic it up you mic it up at the tube end or at the speaker end at your face you might so- <laughs> there's see. a current it's funny because there's a current commercial here in the united states geico ran a series of commercials with famous celebrities and right now they've got one with peter frampton who's kind of very well known for playing Talkbox because one of his big hits had a whole section with it. And uh, he's behind this lady who's telling the sad story of what happened to her car, and he's, he's going, you know, my car got hit by a truck, or something like that. And he's playing the notes on the guitar, and he's mouthing the phrases, and it's hilarious. And it's, it's a great device. It's really kind of a neat idea. Um, do I, we haul it out once in a blue moon. We did a cover of the song, A Real Mother For You, with Dan Aykroyd of the Blues Brothers, and uh, we brought it out for that because the original record had one, and why not? Yeah. So, does it work better on monophonic sources? Because I know it's like um, Trackman and Zap; they kind of use they, they use it for whole kind of polyphonic stuff as well. Does it work well on that kind of source? I think they, they, I, uh, if 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 I may uh, just yeah, I think it basically is Nick. What it does is it's just feeds the sound from a speaker that's inside the box through a tube into your mouth and all mm-hmm. it really does is you know uh, filter 
and form the the sound and and so basically it, I, i don't think it makes any much difference what it is really or would anybody disagree no no so how do you know when you've turned it up loud enough <laughs> the speaker that is i mean how loud does it have to be to kind of generate that level of uh, signal to no, be it able doesn't to- doesn't have to be loud at all no I mean, it's like whisper. If you turn it up really quiet, it's like whispering. And if you turn it up really loud, it's like shouting. <laughs> but does it does it become uncomfortable to use if you turn it up too much? I mean, what's the kind of? I'm just curious about the physical because I I've always had this thing about loosening your fillings with it, and I can't remember where it came from. I've got no idea. <laughs> there was a big rumor around the Frampton, wasn't it? That you know, play it too loud and it'll shatter all your teeth. Well, I was just thinking, you know, you plug it, you, you put it over, a, you know, get a Mesa Boogie driver and a pre- an amp on it, then you're kind of going to be kicking out a bit of painful power. Yeah, and you're also increasing the velocity of the air coming out the speaker by pumping it down a small diameter tube. So, so it'll be blasting you yeah. with um, hot rock air <laughs> or whatever it may be. I, l- I like using them for other things because I think it's a really good way of getting a very directed source of sound uh, somewhere else. So I used a talk box on what happens tomorrow. And I was out to dinner at a French restaurant in Shepherd's Bush with my then new girlfriend or now still now girlfriend. And I found a massive, great long piece of orange pipe. You know, the stuff that they use for feeding the electricity to traffic lights. And I kind of grabbed hold of this pipe and shouted down it. And I decided it made a really cool noise. And I was like, quick, quick, taxi. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, get in, quick. (laughs) Jumped in this taxi with this massive length of orange pipe and sort of, you know, zoomed off to her house. And she's like, oh, my God, you can't do that. But anyway, I took the orange pipe to the studio because it made a good sound. And I fed the talk box thing down the orange pipe. And then I fed Simon through the talk box and... Uh, moved the the talk box pipe up and down the orange pipe and then stuck a mic at the other end and recorded what came out and it's that weird bit on the beginning if you listen to that i love it at the beginning of that it sounds like i love it you like it cool (laughs) oh it's great it's fantastic and what a testament to gina's loyalty yeah i mean the part of this topic was down to a guy called moot booksley who um basically showed a video on how to make one. Let me just play a little bit about it, and then we can maybe talk about what the different ones are. What's up? This is Mook Booksley, and I'm going to show you how to make your own ghetto talk box, or at least how I did it. So, basically all it is is just a compression driver, which is air-sealed to a vinyl tube, which goes in your mouth, which makes all those vocal sounds that we all like to hear on all those classic Zap and Roger records and... A whole bunch of others. Anyway, he goes on to actually make one, you know, out of, um, out of some tube and a load of duct tape and what have you. And um, there's, a, there's a whole kind of culture of it on on YouTube of people saying, hey, check mine out, check this out, check whatever. And that's Moot Booksley, and he's he's actually a really good player. Did you check out any of his other videos? Yeah, I did, yeah. He's got, uh, he's got the funk, that boy. There's no doubt about he's it. He's also got some very nice synths and reel-to-reel things, and also I was, I was went a bit train-spottery for a while on watching his stuff. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. Hans, have you ever kind of tried that sort of thing on synths or whatever? I mean, I can imagine, not just um, for name maybe talking, but for interesting sort of phonetic shapes, it could be quite uh, useful. Do I have to be very honest on this show? Yes, I suppose yeah. so. Well, I bought one, a Heil talk box, about 10 to 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And when, after I bought it and took it back from the stage, which is a really heavy, big one, 
I realized that, oh, Jesus, of course, you need to have a, an amp to drive the speaker inside, which I wasn't really aware of at the time. And at the time, I was really into like the techno trance sort of thing and no guitars anywhere. And uh, it's, it's actually sitting uh, five meters away from me and hasn't been used once. Oh. oh. Which... Which will change after this show, I promise. Because it's it in. <laughs> you're going to do a podcast on it, aren't you? I've given you, I've given you an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This could be one of the Studio Legends podcasts. <laughs> did any of you guys see my Studio Legends on the SP1200? No, yes, I, I did. I saw that. Yeah, Dave Spears, you've been very quiet, and I know that you like talk boxes. Oh, I love them, and they really have got the funk. I mean, where would um? What's our two-pack track, California Love? Where would that be without that opening bit with two oh, that's, in a, that's a classic, isn't it? That, and that's, uh, was that Roger Trackman or...? Yeah, I think it came from uh, that track originally. I think it was sampled from. But yeah, I mean, blinding, brilliant piece of kit. You've got to be careful not to overuse it, I think. But And I mean, Hyacin Divorce, remember that? I mean, that was yep. just brilliant when that came out at the time. Everyone was like, whoa. And I mean, even Frankson Comes Alive, which I think kind of killed it for a little while over here. But, but that, mean, was, that, that was Steely Dan, wasn't it? That was, but that was quite subtle because it wasn't talking. It was more sort of f- just sh- vowel shapes and just it was like yeah. an interesting wah. It was a, a different take on a wah pedal, wasn't it? Yeah, just acting like a filter. Beautiful. What makes it different to a vocoder? One of them is mechanical and the other, the other one's electronic because the, the talk box is definitely just a mechanical. All you've got is a you're, you're replacing your voice box with a different sound source, but everything that shapes the sounds mechanical, isn't it? So what's, con- what's considered to be the best talk box? Because you can make your own, obviously, for next to nothing. I mean, Moot Booksley made one with a pair of uh, old computer speakers and a length of pipe and a sort of plastic thing and a load of duct tape. That sounded pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm. The Hiles were considered to be yeah. mutts nuts, weren't they? Yep. yep. Yeah, I've got the Hile. It's a big, big thing. It's really heavy. Heavy. Yeah, it's yeah. heavy. So what, did that have that? Because they also say that you should use a, a compression horn in it, a, a driver, a horn driver in it, rather than a, a sort of woofer, which is more of a sort of PA kind of speaker, like a bullet. Right. Is that, is that right? Is that because it just kind of gives you uh, the free, more of the higher frequency that you need? I mean, I suppose it would make sense. Right. It? There's less right. wastage. I fa- I found another one. I found one earlier on because I had a record that I loved when I was a little kid called Sparky's Magic Piano. And I've discovered that there was a talk a talk box kind of thing called a Sonovox. Oh, yeah. And Sparky's Magic Piano was recorded in 1947. So they've been around a really long time. Well, brilliant. And that was the thing where you kind of placed the things on your throat, wasn't it? The Sonovox. Oh, what, like, it, um, like, what the guy in, like the guy in South Park? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, one um, of those, too, you know. You've got one a son of, of box, things. have you? Well, no, 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 no. We've got the thing that guys use who've lost their voice box to amplify. They put it up against their throat to talk. Have you ever met one of those guys? It's a, it's a pitched device that you activate. Seen. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it, them. I remember, um, I've seen them. I remember seeing them on Tomorrow's World or something, which is a kind of technology program when I was a kid. We use that for a minute too. Does that work in the same way? You feed sound into it, do you? Or no, it's, it vibrates, it's, a, it's it? a self-contained uh, device that you hold against your throat, and it generates a pitched tone that is activated by the vibrations from your throat, so that people who've lost their voice box can speak. Are they digital? No, or no, 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 absolutely not. It's analog. It's very. It's kind of a hawking voice kind of thing. Because ah, you know, I, I had a, a circuit bending new 
toy to do phenomena there for if they did digital ones i could circuit bend one couldn't i and i'd sound really weird <laughs> well you could well, if you modulated the, if you modulated the pitch on it you could get some quite it's... expressive voices out I think it's, it sounds really, really eerie, doesn't it? I mean, I've yeah. seen people with, 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 with cancer, you know, using yeah. this machine to talk, yeah. and it's really sort of, ooh. Very it's it's very much the smoker's device, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. from take, yeah, it takes a minute to get used to hearing it like that, and you, and you feel, t- I find myself feeling such sympathy for the person using it. But as to related to the question about vocoder and uh, talk box and Mark's answer, I, the thing about it is you are the resonant cavity with the talk box. You right. are the complete, as Dave said, the filter, and and it's really fun to do that to interact with the tone that way. And a vocoder, your 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 mouth, you're moving your mouth and you're articulating things in order to control something, but you're, the control isn't quite so direct, and you're not part of the resonant sound. I suppose it's sort of like singing to a degree, isn't it? I mean, that's why it seems to be so expressive. I mean, that first, the first bit of Stevie there was just kind of really expressive. I mean, obviously he's a great player, but and Moot Booksley was really good. And everybody I've seen, you know, there's various demos from various people who aren't necessarily great players, but you can form ex- such a lot of expression with your mouth that you can kind of make up for it to a degree. Oh, yeah. But there, um, why, and the other thing is, is DX100s. The Yamaha DX100, which is a little kind of portable keyboard that you could strap on, that seemed to be what people used a lot. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that, that? That seems like a generational comment to me. I don't think I've ever seen anybody use a Yamaha. Well, I suppose, yeah, I think it's one. Troutman. But there, there's actually, on eBay, when I was looking for, vo- uh, for, for, vo- for talk boxes, there was actually somebody selling just the DX100 settings for like nine bucks. So you, uh. buy, you buy a kind of like how to set up your DX100 so you could sound like Troutman. Or zap. Uh, just kind of, I'm just wondering if I can resonate this um, this, this drill happening. Over. Hold on, I'll try. Hold on, I'm just going to try. I can hear it. Hey, there we go. I'm doing my own improvised talk box. This what about is the iPhone? Are you going to throw? Oh the yeah, iPhone? no, I haven't got. I haven't recorded the iPhone. There was another one. There's a oh, kid. Okay. There's a kid with an iPhone who's obviously just got the speaker. He shoved it in his mouth and he's playing notes because on the iPhone you can run <laughs> little piano things. And you can kind of, and he's just st- stuck it in his mouth, and he's going, wah, trying talking about, this, and that's quite funny as well. But yeah, it's resonant cavity. But let's just hear Moot Booksley because I think what he did was pretty outstanding, and he's, he doesn't seem like a a, a kid of many years. So. First of all, what it is is this is him with his what he called his ghetto talk box, which he made first, and then the second bit is him playing. The second bit is him playing his proper talk box, which he made out of proper bits. That was the ghetto one. I think he's got some pretty. He's got some pretty good licks there, hasn't he? Love it. Does, yes, he's I mean, bloody good, actually. Does it? Is it that? Is it, I mean, you know, obviously he can play. Is it hard to sound rubbish on a talk box? No. 
No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hans, so you've never plugged yours in, so you're no. going to go and have to you're going to have to go and do some homework. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you must have an amp line around. Are we going to see one on musotalk.de fairly soon? I think you should do one. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it, do, 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 do it. Maybe you could do the whole thing in talkbox speak. Gauntlet broke down. <laughs> and then you can truly tell us whether it loosens your fillings or not, assuming you have any, of course. <laughs> I don't have that many as you may be, Nick. Prob- probably not. You probably don't. Anyway. I don't think anybody has got as many as me, but there you go. I've got uh, ah. 24 teeth and 15 fillings, I think. Ah, right. Maybe there's some sort of magnetic induction talk box you could get kind of hooked up. But they're all white, though, so although I'll be all right. Magnetic won't affect them. They're oh, all, that's cool. They're all... It's not... You haven't, got, any, you haven't, you, you haven't got loads of magnesium in there. No, I had it all removed. Because it makes you go, it makes you go mental. Apparently, the it's mercury. all starting to sound a little mercury bit uh, marathon man here, isn't it? Let's just cut while we're ahead. Yeah, quick snip. Sonic Talk, sponsored by Yamaha Music Production, producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles, accurate professional studio monitoring systems, incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos, the versatile motif range of music production synthesizers, and the latest N-series digital mixing studios, featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk My next topic was um, I was at the fair last week because there's a fair in town in Bath and took my daughter and we all had a bit of fun and I was just sitting kind of rather bored while she went round and round on the roundabout for the 10 millionth time and um, I I happened to look into the cabin and there was a bloke there and he had a Roland SP404 and he was just sort of triggering all the samples. And I, you know, because, you know, when you, when you go, I don't know if you get the same thing. I guess it's carnies, isn't it? Carnivals in, uh, maybe in America, they call them. Is that right? Yeah. Where you get the rides and they go, hold tight, everybody on board, you know, whatever, all of that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was thought that it was probably quite a good job to get be the kind of MC for the ride and you'd be kind of coming up with all your... And then they're just triggering them on these bloody sample pads. And I was really disappointed that it wasn't kind of a bit more, you know... There wasn't a bit more finesse about it, and there was all these bored-looking kind of people just kind of pressing buttons. Although some of them were quite creative, but a lot of them weren't. And I did think about maybe trying to record an interview segment for the uh, for the podcast, you know, and thinking this would be quite interesting. Uh, but the first burst, the first couple of people I talked to had absolutely no enthusiasm <laughs> whatsoever, and it it would have just died. Although I'm not saying that this topic hasn't just died a death anyway, but it it got me thinking. Um. Unusual uses for music technology. Maybe not what you would originally have envisaged them for. Does anyone got any candidates? I was just thinking of, can you imagine the sort of fairground guys going, yeah, but my, you know, mine's 16-bit, yours is only 12. Yeah, but mine's grungy, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> got this wicked new effect on mine, you want to check it out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I've got to play it. Look, here's a bit of it anyway. creative geniuses i think you'll agree he, he did go ah, 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 ah. he there, did yeah he? well that was yeah. a, it got a lot better but i didn't record the whole thing that was a really fast ride it was terrifying friends of mine went on it and he bluffed his uh 
his partner and saying, oh, you won't go on it, will you? And she went, yeah, I will. And they went on it and they got off and they said, I'm never going to do that again. And it was this thing that just went round at about 60 miles an hour really, really fast and sort of flung you out. So, mm. uh, yeah, but that was a record of it. So, yeah, anyone's, any, any unusual uses for music technology? Hans, I suspect you might have something. You must do. No. No. What? What, 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 what do you mean? Disuse or misuse? Either. That's Just funny. help me out here. I'm dying. I'll tell you what, no. I'll, come, I'll come back to you, shall I? I'm blank. <laughs> brilliant. I've shall got we, one. Oh, brilliant. Shall, I was just about to say, shall we scrub this topic? Thinking about your experience at the fair, it occurs to me that uh, Ableton Live could be in use in all of these public venues pretty soon because you can capture some of the sound from the environment and mix it into the pre-prepared sound stuff that you've got going on in real time. It's, it, you know, something like that. Pretty soon, standard equipment at, you know, any Disneyland thing will have a localized laptop running some kind of an audio program where there's somebody, you know, interacting with the live environment. Well, there must be loads of, I mean, just in fairs and theme parks in general. I mean, like I, I went to uh, right. Plopsaland this weekend in, uh, in, in uh, near Ostend, and they must have a whole bunch, because they, all the installations there must have had two or three hundred little tiny martin speakers and everything had its own kind of um you know little really really annoying little tune coming out of it and it must have been run from some central kind of complex studio network hub thing absolutely i had a good i had a good idea for use a use of music technology about 10 or 15 years ago which if somebody implemented it they would make masses and masses of money oh let's have it I think that somebody should get a batch of samples from various different high-tech or high-end uh, sports cars. And then you have this, you'd have a sampler in your car under the bonnet or wherever, and you'd have it hooked up to your throttle. You'd have it hooked up to your gearbox so it knew when you'd changed gear. And you'd get in your standard family car and you'd switch it to AC Cobra and you'd have internal <laughs> internal and external speakers. And then when you went off up the road, you could, I mean, if you didn't want to be, you know, go in stealth mode, you'd switch the external speakers off. But as you accelerated, it would follow the pattern of the engine and the gear changes and you'd have the experience or close to the experience depending on what car you've got, of driving an AC Cobra. Or you could switch it to, like, Mustang V8, or you could switch it to, like, Porsche or BMW or, uh, you know, Aston Martin. And you I, just and I, you, I think, you sell I, the unit for, like, £500 and it's installed, and then you sell sound sets for it as well. So You know, you, that, you know no, that's actually and, not a bad idea, because with as we're going to be getting into electric cars pretty soon, which I saw a couple while I was in, uh, on the continent, and I'll tell you, it's really disconcerting. They make no noise whatsoever. What they actually need is a sort of an AC Cobra speaker flowing <laughs> out the back, just so that you know they're coming for a start, because you don't want to... It's really, really sad, because what's happening here in Berlin is, in East Berlin, we have, um, you know, the... Tra- the, the, the tra- um, yeah, the Trabant. Not the Trabant. No, 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 no. The the uh, the the the, uh, the, uh, the train on the street. What's it called? Oh, the tram. Tram. The, yeah. yeah, the tram is so quiet here that it's really, really dangerous. And every week somebody gets hit. On sometimes people die. It's a, they need would. to put fo- they need to put football cards in the spokes of the wheels so it's like tack, 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 <laughs> you need to put your, you need to get your sampler that technology in there Mark. I think that's a great idea you could sell it to the German um, authorities 
I drive a hybrid car, and when you're in uh, shopping center parking lots, the engine is typically shut off, and you have to be very, very careful. You have to be very aware that the people can't hear you coming. So you need you need what what East's listening to now is that Lightning McQueen roar on a set of speakers under your bonnet, so you can go yeah. up behind people really quietly and then just switch a switch and. <laughs> you must have some old samplers lying around. You can stick one in the car, and you've got the elect- you've got the electricity there to power it. Yeah, God, that's a great idea. I think I think actually there's going to there's going to have to be a situation where that does happen. You know, in the in the same way that they legislated in New York or were going to that you couldn't wear an iPod and cross the street, right? <laughs> I mean, if in all the, the car, if all the cars make no noise whatsoever, then even if you're wearing an iPod or not, you're still not going to hear anything. So you actually have to put noise back into quiet vehicles just enough mm. to be able to hear it. Mm. Mm. True. I wonder if anybody's patented patented the idea. I don't know. If they haven't, probably one of our listeners will by the end of the week. Well, it's, it's, it's two grand a territory, Mark, so we'll have to w- have there? a bit of a whip round. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think I'll ever do it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm quite happy for that idea to float around out there. Just send it out to the ether. I'll be able to buy one. I was thinking this topic is going to die and sink without trace, but Mark, I'd just like to say thank you for resurrecting <laughs> it and making it yeah. possible. Thank you very much, Mark. And Nick, by the way, I need to split now. So if you don't mind, I split. Say bye-bye, guys. I say bye-bye, guys. And um, yeah, hope to be with you again next week. That's uh, non-Eric from Berlin. Get over to musotalk.de. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. After last week, we talked about Jerry Harrison, and um, it was talked about that he'd been working on this thing called garageband.com, which was essentially kind of a, a platform for unsigned bands. And uh, when it started off, the prize was $250,000 in uh, of studio time in Jerry's studio, which when I thought back about that, I thought, that how much does he charge a day, for God's sake? That is a lot of money to spend in a recording studio. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. So anyway, I went and had a look around um, garageband.com, and I found all sorts of stuff there. And it's just what's really cool about it is the way that you can leap. It just says sort of top 10 romantic songs, top when you know, and it, it, all these categories – uh, work well in terms of whether you're a listener or a producer or a musician. You, there, there's something in there for everyone. So it's, it might say best program beats or whatever, and you can check all of this stuff out. I'm not sure I agreed with many of the recommendations, and I think the system might be open to some abuse, but wicked stuff. I, and this is one thing I found, which I thought was really quite good, um, apart from the timing was a bit suspect. I mean, that appeals very much to my pop nature. Um, but the, vo- the vocals were really kind of... I'm just really surprised at the sort of level of quality that I found there um, in various things. And that, that was a band called, uh, what they call Dream The Dream Lovers. There's somebody had written a review, which I thought was actually really pertinent, which said, have you ever wondered what a solo album by one of the Human League girls would have sounded like? Neither have I. Anyway, it might have sounded a bit like this. And, and he goes on to say how, how much he thought of it. And I thought... If I just sort of dug around and found some interesting stuff, what would happen if any of the rest of us did? And Dave, um, you you lost the day, is that right? 
But yeah, yeah, I kind of went over there thinking, because I seem to remember a friend of mine saying that he put some stuff up there. Um, and I couldn't work out whether it was this garage brand. Uh, anyway, so I kind of, I thought the, the way that the player worked was brilliant because you were able to skip between all the genres and stuff like that. But what, you know, it did blow me away, the quality. And Americans, man, they can seriously play. I mean, it's always kind of done my head in at NAMM and when I've worked with American musicians, you know, when they say I'm a player, they really mean it. So I was kind of checking out all the genres and obviously you get the little flag next to, you know, the country of the person who submitted it. So I was kind of cross-referencing loads of stuff. I mean, there's absolutely fantastic stuff on there. Quality-wise, brilliant. I found this girl, Deborah Arlin, who's very kind of pop song girly, but I mean, you know, way up there with some, who's the, who's the girl who won uh, Pop Idol or whatever it was over in the States? Kelly something, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I mean, way up there with that, you know, probably better. I mean, stunning, stunning. British guy, British hip hop guys, um, 10 Days Till, really excellent. And then this kind of real folky girl, um, Judy Collings. I mean, I made a note of loads of these people. And then this techno band behavior. And brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there's just, there's just tons of it. And what's really good about the player is you could just play something. and Because what's very good, as I find, is you kind of think, when you're listening to something, you go, oh, that sounds a bit like. And so, mm. and you can just say, it's got certain, this is the way the recommendations end, and the whole thing works. It's very clever. It says, you know, what sort of music is this? Is it EG? Is it fast rock? Is it ballad pop? Is it da-da? And then sounds a bit like, and you can just immediately sit there and just while you're listening to it, go, oh, it sounds like, uh, you know, frou-frou or it sounds like human league or whatever just chuck it in there and it all goes to this pool of knowledge that helps it all interconnect and i just I kind of i was really blown away by it and if i was an a and r person i think i might spend a bit of time there definitely rich did you did you see anything there that kind of made you think it was better than you expected i didn't spend a lot of time there Okay. So I, I'm, I'm interested in Dave's interest now and, uh, and yours. Um, and I did listen to a little bit of the Dream Lovers and found it sort of interesting. So I would, yeah, I'd like to look around, but I didn't take the time yet. Mark, how about you? Did you get a chance to look at it? I liked it that it had an experimental electronica category. <laughs> so I spent quite a long time leaping around that and leaping around different things. And yes, I agree with everything that you've already said. And then I thought, oh, I wonder if my friend Sean Wright is in there. So I typed his name in, and he's in there as well. And he's that chap. He's that chap. He's sort of a bit of my one of my heroes at the moment because he recorded 144 songs last year. He did 12 albums in one year. But yeah, it's a good resource. So if anyone's got any stuff, I don't know what that. I didn't kind of look into the sign up thing, but it, it, I imagine it's sort of non-exclusive and fairly friendly terms. I would assume because otherwise, what would be if it was Highness? Then you wouldn't get many people going there. But can I go slightly off topic, actually? Why ever not? Okay, good. <laughs> when I was at the gym today, when I finished listening to the WYNC, WNYC podcast, I started listening to the Sean Wright album. And after I'd finished listening to it, I realised that it gave me really horrible tinnitus, because when I was standing in the shower, I was listening to this kind of high-frequency tinnitus frequency and then i realized that the tinnitus frequency was the same one that i always have when i listen to loud music and i for a long time right and i was only listening to that for maybe 30 minutes and i re- i think what i've done is that i've over eq'd the whole album to compensate for my tinnitus because i did the whole i did a lot of that all on the same day and turned it up really loud so i think at some point i must have created tinnitus in my ear Oh, and then and then, and then tried it. to compensate for it. Yeah, so now I've actually 
I what I want I wonder if it's possible to see if there's a peak in the EQ like on a visual meter or something where my tinnitus happens because I'm absolutely convinced that I've done like some kind of tinnitus masking thing. Oh, well, you might be right. That sounds like this a great name weird. for a, it's think very a, weird. Sounds like a great name for a product, doesn't it? Tinnitus. Tinnitus EQ. <laughs> or maybe a band. <laughs> a band or an album. Tinnitus I think I think it should be used. And maybe we what, should uh, maybe we should should we start a band called Tinnitus and our first album could be called Tourette's and we could put it up <laughs> we could put it up on garageband.com. <laughs> Second album is called, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading the Sean Wright bio here. Tinley is the guy who never works with anyone. He's been a recluse since he last worked with Duran Duran and won't work with them. That's true. Wow. I like being a recluse and not coming out for, yeah. for to play for anyone. So garageband.com. We talked about it last week. We're talking about it again this week. Um, maybe we can get um, Dave to send us over a few links to some of the things that he found. I'll, find, I'll, I'll put a link mm. to the one that I found. It's really kind of quite good. Sonicstate.com. I would like to, at this point, um, just put a little bit uh, shout out for Mark JX8P, who often comments on the Sonic State podcast comments pages which everyone else is welcome to come over there and comment on anything they hear on the show um we we actively encourage it and we even go there and read some of them and might participate god mm-hmm. forbid please so, phone in as well phone in we talked a lot about the uh john michel jar over the last couple of weeks and mark jx8p sent in this uh rather interesting john michel jar cover done as you can tell with the human voice and multi-tracked i really like that reverb i don't know what reverb is used but i like that really overly colored reverb i'm mm. really into overly colored reverb at the moment super duper so sure. this was a piece i found at music thing blogspot uh, which is a, a great blog for music sort of trivia and interesting kind of technology and what have you and this is um a tw- it's 25 great music making tips and um, there's, I won't read them all out, but there were some favourites. One of my favourites was Play Less, which was from a guitarist and lots of other people. And the mm-hmm. other one was um, Grab Some String and Bend It. If it doesn't sound right, move up a fret and try again. That's another guitarist one. <laughs> so anybody else got some? I, I had a feeling that maybe Rich Hilton might have a kind of couple of pearls of wisdom he'd care to share on, the, on this topic. Do you have anything? Well... I'm sure I do. Um, it really all kind of reminds me a little of the oblique strategies set. Does anybody remember this? Yes. Brian, you know, had a box of... I've we, got you know, one. We talked I've got go one. outside, take a walk kind of stuff. Yeah, we talked about this way back. I think it was, you know, one of the, one of the early episodes when we were talking about Eno. Yes, but the, it, I, I, I see what you're saying. It does, doesn't it? It's a good idea. Well, these tend to be a lot more specific and music-directed. I really like the one 
about when learning to play a piece of music, play it first so slowly that you don't get anything wrong and then gradually speed it up. That's really how you learn to play difficult parts, is to do that. Um, and, it's, and it's not obvious to people, and I often see people learning to play something by trying to play it at tempo from the, gut, from the jump street. And I'm constantly reminding my kids, for example, to slow it down and get it clean first. So yeah. I like that one. I like that one quite a bit. But I, I mean, you know, uh, advice like get into the groove. Um, it's a bit know, vague, isn't which it? I, I realize I realize he was just quoting a Madonna song there. But but um, I don't know. I'm a kind of a, there are no rules except to do the you know be in the moment and do the right thing you know, kind of guy. Maybe that ah, makes me an old hippie. I, well, I'm I'm at the complete opposite. Be in the moment and do the wrong thing. That's what. Well, that's you know. That's <laughs> why we work so well together. So, so my advice is find ear candy, put notes in that real musicians think are wrong, and they become hook lines because nobody's used to hearing them. Ah, what's an interesting idea? So you find something that clashes, and then you put it in, and then you turn it way down, and then when you're listening to the mix, there's something in there. That you keep coming back and going. That sounds different. I've got to come back and listen to that again. And it makes it makes for really good pop. I think putting the wrong note in quietly. Dissonance. Yep. Definitely. So de- yeah. Well, that's an interesting. I, I think number twenty-four here, which is never listen to the same loop for longer than ten minutes. That's, that's <laughs> how how often uh, would you know? I would have broken that rule. I don't know. Almost every day of my entire life. I think. Well, that's funny because that there that illustrates a difference uh, that between Nile and I and the way we work because Nile can listen to the same loop for seemingly forever and continue to develop ideas on it, whereas I have to listen to it once or twice or three times and then walk away from it for a minute and then play it again and then walk. I have to walk away from it. I can't just keep something playing. It's it's water torture to me, yeah. and uh, and it works perfectly for him. It's really a good part of his creative process, but. I can't do it at all. So, so are you always are you always fighting over the transport control in your studio then? No, no, no. no I again, just play stop. as long no. as he wants to hear it. No, I just play it as long as he wants to hear it. But if I'm working alone, I can't listen to it like that. Dave Spears, anything in there that tickled your fancy, or perhaps you have something that you'd like to add? Uh, I think my top tip would be finish it. Yeah, don't muck about. Just finish it because I just meet so many people who've got half finished things that it's just like come on you know you've got the basis of a good idea just finish it uh, which oh. would also probably coincide with my second one which is uh, if it's not happening go for a walk yeah well i used to do that when we used to do a lot of remixing and um, it was we'd do it in the evenings because you know we were we were working and what have you and we did other things and i just sort of think oh, i can't be bothered to, you know nothing's happening let's go home just you know sod the deadline because we're nothing useful is going to come out of this apart from a dislike of what we're doing so just to start again tomorrow and it usually worked you'd usually find mm-hmm. somewhere else Nick Nick Rhodes is the complete opposite. He will just make, or he used to make me stay in the studio for like hours and hours and hours and hours past the point where anybody was doing anything useful. And it just was painful, really. And I used to complain and complain at him. And he'd be like, nope, nope, we've got to get another song. And it's like, well, it's not going to be any good, is it? But, um, yeah, but um, sometimes they must, you know. But, well, yes, but so none of the good stuff ever came from those really pushed, forced, really late sessions that nobody was doing anything intelligent in, I don't think. so. I did like 22, which was to play more things that make me dance around and less things that make me sit and look miserable in a plastic chair, which was my brain. And you were, I sort of wondered what band he was working with when he thought that one up. Talking Heads, no doubt. Or Coldplay, maybe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, possibly. 
I like the miserable music. On the walking front, I've found this. So if you're stuck for an idea and you've, you're working on a song and you're stuck for a particular idea, if you go out for a walk, you will generally walk at the same tempo that you've been working on the song at, and then yep. the ideas come. I've, um, I've got started using my Zoom H4 for walking, and I switch the metronome on and walk to the metronome and sing in it and walk along the riverbank here, singing into it late at night. Really? Have you, <laughs> been, arre- have you been arrested yet? <laughs> I was going to say I may get arrested right. for doing that. No, but I haven't. No, but I mean, if, if you set the tempo in a Zoom H4 and then went out walking, you'd know you were spot on. If you stuck the thing in record, if you have any ideas, they're recorded at bloody high quality and you could just come back and paste them into the um, song. But then I suppose you'd know that you weren't, that you'd know you were still focusing on it. Then, Do you think you? that whole kind of musical notebook kind of dictaphone thing is something that everybody thinks they ought to have one but actually they always end up with the batteries kind of bursting in them because nobody actually ever uses them for that um yeah i don't know i'm i'm trying to use mine more because i'm not writing any music any other way so i i'm trying to discipline myself to use that more yeah, I mean, I tried that with my mobile phone a couple of times. I mean, I, don't, I very rarely get struck for inspiration for original stuff. I mean, I'm more of a modifier than a kind of originator. I mean, that's my role, generally. But when I do, so I usually try and find something to throw it down on and see if it means anything another time, which it generally doesn't. So, Well, I tend to record loads of things, and I've got a million good ideas floating around on my hard drive of half-finished l- lyrics, melodies, and things. And I think Dave's tip of finish it is probably something i should try employing because i tend to record them and never play them back again well don't you think that's a self-selective process though i mean if you were finishing everything and half of it was total junk that'd be a waste of energy i'm not saying no. yours is but you know if one tried to finish everything and it w- and some of it just wasn't worth i mean half of half of the skill is recognizing what is worth finishing surely but maybe because i'm using the zoom thing to record things on maybe i'm not even getting past that so I'm not really starting anything. I'm just recording good ideas and then never coming back to them. And every so often I'll try and sort through my hard drive and I'll find a WAV file called 24th of the 4th, 2003 or something, and I'll play it. And I'll think, God, that's a cracking melody. Why haven't I done anything with that? And probably because I just recorded it, thought, okay, I've recorded it, so I'll come back to that in a bit. And then, like, you know, five years later, I've suddenly find it again and, and you know, I'm surprised by it. So... <sighs> Well, maybe that's the way to do it. You have a bank. But, yeah, it's just a bit of fun. But there are some useful ones in there. Um, so, yeah, top 25 tips for musicians and, and some more from our panel. So um, I think with that a rather philosophical and maybe perhaps, I hope, useful end, uh, we can put an end to Sonic Talk number 83. And remember, as Mark rightly said, um, please do feel free to comment. Um, we, you can comment on any of the shows. There's uh, a comment section below every single episode. And you can email us and you can send in comments via MP3. You can leave answer phone messages in our Skype answer phone. Sonic Talk is the handle. And we've also got a US Skype in number, which links through to the same answer phone. And that's uh, a US number, 312-376-8089. That's 312-376-8089. And also, it's St. George's Day today, and St. George is the patron saint of courage, so if you have not got the courage to phone in, take some from uh, St. George. Ah, oh, that's very, that's, that's a, what a nice note to end. I thought you were going to say he was the patron saint of podcasting, and I was thinking, wow, that's really con- <laughs> contemporary. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, thanks to our panel. Obviously, uh, non-Eric has already left the building. That's non-Eric from musotalk.de. Uh, we've also got Mr. Dave Spears from G4 Software, g4software.com. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Thank you. And Mr. Rich Hilton from Connecticut, uh, who's probably heading off to the studio to carry on his work day just after joining us this morning. Thank you for joining us, Rich. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And, of course, uh, the last voice you heard was uh, Mark Tinley, um, and um, who has also been with us today. Thank you, and I'm glad um, you managed to get East to almost watch all the way through. It would have been better if the Apple computer that he's watching it on, which is plugged into the television, hadn't decided about 10 minutes into the movie that it wanted to do a software update. But, oh, yes. I hate that. <laughs> How dare it interfere with my child's he education. Doesn't, he doesn't know how to press quit either, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and um, we'll see you again next time. Sonic State. Let's call.